Church, we're coming near the end of our series in the book of Nehemiah. I hope and pray that has encouraged you to build well and strong for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Old Testament. We thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord, how it teaches us the plans that you have for our lives and how we can live for your honour and your glory. We pray that we will be inspired today to build with all of our being for your honour and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we want to look at chapters 11 and 12 together and then we're going to have a wee break over the holidays. Um, some other guys are going to preach over the next couple of weeks and then we'll, I'll come back again in August time, early August, and we'll look at the last chapter of Nehemiah together. But let's just read a few verses from chapter 11 and then a few verses at the end of chapter 12 and it reads like this. Now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of every ten of them to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while the remaining nine were to stay in their own towns. The people commanded all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. These are the provincial leaders who settled in Jerusalem. Now some Israelites, priests, Levites, temple servants and descendants of Solomon's servants lived in the town of Judah, each in their own property in various towns, while other people from both Judah and Benjamin lived in Jerusalem. And over to chapter 12, verse 44 says this, At that time were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms of the contributions, first fruits and tithes, from the fields around the towns. They were to bring into the storeroom the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did also the musicians and the gatekeepers, according to the commands of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there had been directors for the musicians and for the songs of the praise and thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel contributed the daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside the portions for the descendants of Aaron, and the Lord will bless the reading of his word. As I say this morning, we're going to look at chapters 11 to 12, but in chapters 8 to 10, we saw that how the children of God, because they had made the word of God central in their lives again, that they had come to a place of brokenness. And we know God's word tells us it is the humble and the contrite heart that the Lord will never despise. And out of that brokenness, there came a desire to remember the goodness of God. And from the goodness of God, these people realized how sinful they've been before God and they confessed their sinful that renewed a new sense of obedience unto the Lord. It was the beginnings of revival among these people to become who God wanted them to be and to step into all that God had for them. And as we survey chapters 11 to 12, we could probably look at this again and think, here we go again. Here's Nehemiah, the typical administrator, another list. 
But what we've learned as we've studied together through Nehemiah, that there was always significance within his list, whether it be the list of people's names or a list of the gates, there was significance to what Nehemiah wrote about. I'm going to ask you a question this morning, church. Do you realise there is significance when your name is on a list? When your name's on a list or it's on a rota, do you realise the significance of that? We've seen how Nehemiah was building a new community and he needed to know who was with him, who was for him, who was going to work alongside him to build this new Jerusalem for the Lord. And the first half of the book, we saw that how these people existed for the walls, but now the walls were existing for these people. And we're at the point where now someone's going to have to dwell and live there and thrive there and grow this city of God. Church this morning, realising the significance of your name being on a list, can you be counted upon to be where you're supposed to be? Can you be counted upon to be where you're supposed to be? We know that from the list there were those who already leaders had decided that they needed to be there and would be there. But for the other people who would dwell in there, there was lots cast to see who would be there. So one out of every ten, their family would go and dwell in Jerusalem. Now verse 2 of chapter 11 tells us that the people of Israel commended those who volunteered to live in the city. But what's not quite clear, did that include the ones that the lots were cast for? Did they feel conscripted or were they glad to be living in the city? with everybody else. Now the truth is we hope that it was a case that people would see that that was an honour to go and live in the city of God. But we have to point out as well, if you went to live in that city, you were more at risk than you when living in a village. And here's why. The temple was there. The gold was there. All the blessing was there. And of course, somebody at some stage was going to come and attack the city. And you were less likely to be attacked if you lived in some small village outside of the city of God. And here's the thing, child of God. If you have chosen to draw close to God and you want to be set apart to draw near to the Lord, come closer to his life, being set apart in a life of holiness. Friends, if you're drawing into the presence of God, you are probably much more at risk in your spiritual experience than when you lived in the periphery of faith. But you know, there's nothing more rewarding than to know you are where God wants you to be. You're doing what God wants you to be. There's nothing that will give you more peace by knowing that you're exactly where the Lord wants you to be, no matter the risk. Warren W. Wearsby comments on these few words and says this, never underestimate the importance of simply being physically present in the place where God wants you to be. You may not be asked to perform some dramatic ministry, but simply being there as a ministry. It goes on to write, the men and women and the children who helped in the populate, to populate the city of Jerusalem were serving God, their nation and future generations by this step of faith. 
And in our spiritual journey, we want to draw close to the Heavenly Father. We want to be close to his heart and to know his presence heart to heart in our relationship. But we also know that God calls us as a people of God to be close to the family of God, his church. And we know that during COVID-19, it has been difficult and impossible to be physically present with one another and we do appreciate that things are being slightly lifted now but let's still remember what God's word told us to do in the book of Acts. We are to be devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to the breaking of bread and to fellowship. And even, yes, things are changing a bit, but can we encourage you until we finally get to that place where we want to be, can we encourage you to continue on being devoted? Even though it's online like this, it's um, maybe on a Zoom call, but please carry on to be devoted to what God wants us to do because it's going to build us up, not just for us, but for the generations yet to come. Let's stay together to encourage each other in mutual growth. Can you be counted upon to be where you're supposed to be? Now, realising the significance of our names being on the list, can you be counted upon to do what you're supposed to do? Nehemiah makes the list of these people that were living in the city, those from Judah and Benjamin. Verses 4 to 9 tells us, that these men would have been um, valiant men, mighty men, which probably would mean this. They were fighters, they were fighting men, or that they were wealthy men of substance. Maybe your gifting is spiritual warfare. I believe all of us should be aware of spiritual warfare. We all need to do spiritual warfare. But you know there are some people who are very much um, gifted in this area to pray protection over the church, over its leaders, to stand guard on a community of God's people. And we would encourage you in this day that you are needed and to stand in your place and to continue to pray over the church in these days. But we also need men and women of substance. Do you know whether you've got £100 in your bank today or it's 100000 in your bank today, we know this, that what we have is only given to us by God and we are to be good stewards of what God gives us. But I believe that there are men and women who God has given an entrepreneur spirit to be able to make finances. And our finances that we have, as I said, don't belong to us. They belong to God. We need to book to um, live beyond ourselves and to apply what God gives us into his kingdom and to his work. And there are those that God has blessed to show others how to be good stewards, how to create finances that we can apply them into the kingdom of God, to be used in the kingdom of God, to help other people find their way and to be built up in the things of God. And if that is what's in your spirit today, we want to encourage you that you are needed and you have a place within God's church. In chapter 11, verses 10 to 24, we see that there's a list of priests, Levites and temple workers. Now, what we learn from Joshua 21 is this, that these people had been allotted special places around Jerusalem, places where they could live and could rightly live themselves without actually living within the temple quarters. 
But yet, like Jeremiah of old, which we read about in Jeremiah 41 to 6, he had been given the choice. He could live anywhere he would want, but he chose to be close and to serve and to love the people of God. And here we see that out of these people, there were a portion of them, instead of living in the villages around, chose to be close to the temple, to serve in the temple and to love the people within the city. You know, we know there's Ten Commandments, but they have been brought into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your being. We love God and to love our neighbour as ourselves. And I'm sure it must bring pleasure to the heart of God because love is a choosing word. It's a word that we choose to do. That when people decide and to choose to love and to serve God's people, we also know that Jesus taught us in Matthew 20, 26, 27, that greatness is through servitude. And when you choose to love and serve a community of God's people, I believe that must bring pleasure to the heart of God. Can you be counted upon to do what you're supposed to be doing, sacrificially giving your life to love and to serve other people? It must bless the heart of God when you choose to love the family of God through thick and thin, through all the ups and downs, and choose to love these people and to serve them for God's honour and for his glory. In the list, we also notice that there's lots of people fulfilling different roles, a variety of roles, just to keep the city of God moving. We know the priests, they served at the altar, the Levites assisted them. And then there were people who maintained the temple, who maintained the city, others who prayed, others who praised, and all of their parts was important to keep the city of God running. 300 men were chosen to protect the temple because all the good things that were brought into the temple, and there was men that were put over charge to look after these concerns as well. It took many people with many skills to keep the ministry of Jerusalem working. And so today, it takes you and your skill, your ability, to help run the kingdom of God, to help serve an East Point Church. We need everyone to play their part. But can I ask you today, are you serving the Lord with gladness? That you're doing it willingly because you want to do it to build the kingdom of God for the honour of God. I hope you don't need to be conjoled into doing anything or convinced that you need to be doing it, but to do it willingly for the honour of our God. Here's our third thing this morning. Realising the significance of our name being on a list, can you be counted upon to give what you're supposed to give? As I said earlier, I would like to think that those whose lot fell upon them to go and live in Jerusalem did it with a glad heart, that they realised this was a badge of honour to go and live in this most holy city. I hope they did it willingly. And as we journey into the new Jerusalem, to the new city of God, which is heaven, our home in heaven, that journey started for us. When we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection and brought us into relationship with the Father, but he gave us all so that we could start this journey and we could go to our home in heaven. He gave his everything for us. And Romans 12 and 1 tells us this, 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. God deserves us to give our whole says that not the drags of our life, but the first fruits of our energy, of our everything, giving ourselves to the Lord. In the latter part of chapter 12, we see the work was dedicated to the Lord. So we have seen over this period of building the walls, we've seen workers on the walls, we have seen um, the watchers on the walls who have prayed, and now today we see the worshippers on the wall. In verse 43, it tells us that their shouts and their songs were so loud that it could be heard even afar off. When Jordan was younger, he loved playing football and he played for Dramora Amateurs. And often on a Saturday morning, I would stand with one of the other dads and there was always a wee bit of banter between me and him. And a couple of times he said to me, I was in the square on Sunday morning in Dramora, and he says, and we could hear you singing, your church singing from the square. It was good that he could hear us given what we could for honour and the glory of God, to raise a high praise, a loud praise to our God. Singing's mentioned eight times in this chapter. Thanksgiving, seven musical instruments, three times. And they marched round these walls, rejoicing, dedicating these walls to the glory of God, which is great because just think before, these guys are marching down these walls, the very walls that their critics said that the very foxes could have knocked down. I'm sure while they were building the walls, there were times they would have looked at that rubble and think, will anything of worth ever stand in this place again? But instead of joining them with the criticism of their critics, they praise God through it. And these days later, they stood dedicating these walls to God, praising God in the midst for all his blessing. You know, we're still a new church, quite a young church, and there's lots of things we would love to have for you and your family and for those that are yet to come that we just don't have in place at this time. But we would encourage you not to have a critical spirit about not having this or that, but to have a spirit that would praise God believing that these things are yet to come for those that are yet to come and to rejoice in all that the Lord will do for us. On this day, these people praise, thankfully, joyfully and lightly. Now, not only did they give their praise, but these people gave their finances. They had made a covenant, remember in chapter 10, they made this covenant that they would look after those who served in the house of God and they would give to the ministry that was there. And on this day, there was a lot of rejoicing because the house of God had become bountiful because the people kept their promise and they gave to the work of God. In the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says this, the people gave not grudgingly or out of necessity, but joyfully and gratefully. Are you a joyful giver? Do you give to the work of God? You know, our material gifts as we give really are a spiritual sacrifice as long as they're given in the right spirit. Paul called the gifts that the Philippian church gave an odour, a sweet smell, a sacrifice pleasing to God. 
But you know, friends, before we can give our material gifts to God, our praise, our time, our abilities and our talents, we first must give ourselves to God. Paul commented on the churches of Macedonia how first they gave themselves to the Lord as they collectively gave into a fund for the people of Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem that were going through difficult times. We need to give ourselves to God. Our gifts cannot be a substitute for giving ourselves to the Lord Church. We need to give of ourselves first to God. Today, maybe you find your name on our partnership list. Maybe you find your name in one of our ministry rotas. Maybe you're listening in this morning and you belong to another church family and you're a member of that church or you serve there and your name is found on a list, a ministry list somewhere in that church. Can I ask you, can you be counted upon to be where you're supposed to be? Can you be counted upon to do what you're supposed to do? And can you be counted upon to give what you're supposed to give to the kingdom of God? But let me remind you this morning, it all starts with us giving ourselves. Romans 12 and 1 again says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and your proper worship. Maybe today you've stumbled across this broadcast and you've listened to it and you think, I would love to be a part of building kingdom for God. I would love to be present, to serve and to give. I would want to be a part of seeing a community of people built strong for the glory and the honour of God. Well, there's one place your name needs to be found above all lists and all rotas. And that is your name needs to be found in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the Lamb's Book of Life is that list of people who are going to dwell in the New Jerusalem, the new city in heaven for eternity with God. And maybe you're asked the question this morning, well, how do I get my name in that list? It's the simple gospel and the good news. And the good news is this, that Jesus Christ died for your sin. Therefore, you need to acknowledge his death and his resurrection. You need to accept that you have sinned and that you need to have forgiveness of your sin for you to have a relationship with Father God. And when you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin and you accept him as your saviour, then you need to follow him into all that he has for your life. And this morning, as we bring this to a close, I would love you to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I would love you to be a part of the family of God. And this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer that will help you to make that decision to follow the Lord Jesus. And I would encourage you to pray that prayer with us this morning. And if you have prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, why don't you contact us? And then we will respond to you with some help in your newfound faith to get deeper in love with the Lord Jesus and to serve him with your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sin 
and I want to turn my life to you now. I invite you to come into my heart and into my life. And I want to trust and follow you as Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name, Amen. So if you've prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, please do contact us and we'll help you on your new journey with Jesus. Church, can you be counted upon to be where you're supposed to be? To do what you're supposed to do and to give what you're supposed to give. Let's carry on to build for God's honour and God's glory.